Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Sunday, January 8th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11 and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we begin a new Torah portion, Shemot, and it means names. Exodus 1, 1-17 These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each coming with his household, Reuben, Shimon, Levi, and Yehuda. Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. The total number of persons that were of Jacob's issue came to seventy, Joseph being already in Egypt. Joseph died, and all his brothers and all that generation. But the Israelites were fertile and prolific. They multiplied and increased very greatly, so that the land was filled with them. A new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Look, Benai Israel are much too numerous for us. Let us deal shrewdly with them so that they may not increase. Otherwise, in the event of war, they may join our enemies in fighting against us and rise from the ground. So they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor and they built garrison cities for Pharaoh, Pithom and Ramesses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they increased and spread out, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. 
the Egyptians ruthlessly imposed upon the Israelites the various laborers that they made them perform. Ruthlessly they made life bitter for them, with harsh labor at mortar and bricks, and with all sorts of tasks in the field. The king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shipra, and the other Pua, saying, When you deliver the Hebrew women, look at the birth stool. If it is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, fearing Hashem, did not do as the king of Egypt had told them. They let the boys live. Matthew 6:25 to 7:14 Therefore I say unto you take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink nor yet for your body what you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment behold the fowls of the air for they sow not neither do they reap nor gather into barns yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not much better than they which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature and why do you take thought for raiment consider the lilies of the field how they grow and they toil not neither do they spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or, What shall we drink? Or, What shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Judge not, that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why do you behold the mote that is in your brother's eye, but consider not the beam that is in your own eye? Or how will you say to your brother, Let me pull out the mote out of your eye, and behold, A beam is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of your own eye, and then you shall see clearly to cast out the mote out of your brother's eye. Give not that which is holy to the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For every one that asks receives, and he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? 
If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. Psalm 8, 1-9 O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who has set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings have you ordained strength because of your enemies, that you might still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and have crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yes, and the beasts of the field the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea and whatsoever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Proverbs 2, 6-15 For the Lord gives wisdom. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He lays up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keeps the paths of judgment and preserves the way of his saints. Then shall you understand righteousness and judgment and equity. Yes, every good path. When wisdom enters into your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion shall preserve you, understanding shall keep you, to deliver you from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaks froward things, who leave the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil, and delight in the frowardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked, and they froward in their paths. I want to speak to you today from our reading from the Torah portion from Exodus chapter 1, and then we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 6 and 7, which is a continuation of the Sermon on the Mount from Yeshua. And as we start in the book of Exodus, it names the names of the sons of Israel, the sons of Jacob, who came to Egypt. And it lists all 12 of those sons. Reuben, Simon, Levi, Yehuda, or Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher, and then, of course, Joseph, who was already there. Now, why is that important for us to consider? Because 400 years later, or by some accounts or reckonings, it's 430 years later, when the Hebrews leave Egypt, it is their ancestors, their descendants, not their ancestors, their descendants, who are leaving Egypt to come out of oppression and slavery. And so they are the descendants of these 12 sons of Jacob. 
In other words, it's all 12 tribes, their descendants. And so who was it that left Egypt? It wasn't just the Jews. The Jews would be from the tribe of Judah, but we have 11 other tribes that leave Egypt. So it's all 12 tribes that leave Egypt, not just Judah, the Jews, but all 12 tribes. So I wanted to make that point. Okay, so now what begins to happen is that the Egyptian, a new king, rises up in Egypt who does not know Joseph. And so the favor that was upon Joseph is lifted. The favor that was upon Joseph and his people is lifted. And what does, we're going to really take this apart because biblical history is prophecy. And as it was, so shall it be. And we are now living in days very similar to the days that the Hebrews were experiencing when they lived in Egypt. And how God dealt with the situation then and how he delivered his people then is going to be very similar to how God deals with the situation today and how he's going to deliver his people today. So let's look at what those dynamics were. And so this new king who is living, who's uh, reigning over Egypt says in verse 9, he said to his people, look, B'nai Israel are much too numerous for us. So in his mind, there's a population problem. There's too many of the Hebrews, too many of the Israelites. And what do the New World Order globalists, what, what, what is their perception of the world? I'm talking about Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, um, you know, the leaders of the New World Order regime. Well, they are eugenicists. They are firm believers in decreasing the world's population. In fact, the Georgia Guidestones, before they were destroyed, you could actually read their their principles of what they believe. And one of those principles is that they want to get the population down to quite a bit less than what it is now. And so why did Bill Gates get out of the computer software business when he was running Microsoft and get into the vaccine business. And he has invested through his uh, Bill Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, millions and millions of dollars uh, invested in research for uh, companies, pharma companies that are doing research on vaccines, and in particular, the COVID-19 vaccine. Why? Because it's all about depopulating the earth. It's all about getting fewer numbers upon the earth. Okay, so back then, what did Pharaoh do? He said, there's there's too many of them. We need to do something. What are we going to do? Verse 11, they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built garrison cities for Pharaoh, Pithom and Ramesses. So they began to oppress them and they were living in slave conditions. And what's going on today globally, not just in the U.S., but all over the world, in Australia, in New Zealand, throughout Europe and the U.K. and Canada, uh, throughout the world, what do we see? We see tyranny. We see medical tyranny with forced mandates, forced jabs, forced social distancing and mask 
wearing the masks and restrictions um, on travel, restrictions on being able to get out and move about freely with your life. So we see the same trend today as what went on then, tyranny, the rise of tyranny. Continuing on, Pharaoh says, we see this principle in verse 15, the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shipra and the other was named Pua, and told them in verse 16, when you deliver the Hebrew women, look at the birth stool. If it's a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. This is nothing short of genocide, infanticide, to kill babies upon birth, and focusing on the males, because they didn't want there to be, they wanted to depopulate them. And so they're using infanticide to do it. But the midwives, who, who feared God, did not do as the king of Egypt had told them, and they let the boys live. What do we see today? We see tremendous abortion. And in fact, a recent bill that uh, has passed in the Congress in the U.S. is putting millions of dollars of abortion funding in regions of the U.S. where they consider the region to be a natural resource that is something to be preserved and protected, and they want to keep the population in that area down. And so they put a whole bunch of abortion dollars in those regions to keep the population down. And so we see, you know, this, the Democratic Party, they're totally pro-abortion. And in fact, in some states, some governors, they want to have abortion all the way up through the ninth month. And in California, even allowing, quote, abortion after the baby is delivered and born, infanticide just like in the time of Pharaoh. And why is that? Because they perceive the problem as too many people. There's just too many people and there's not enough resources. And so we got to kill the people. We got to kill the babies. It is horrific. It is a silent, quiet Holocaust. Millions and millions and millions of babies have been aborted in the last 20 or 30 years since Roe v. Wade was passed. And it now has been overturned. But now it's up to each state to decide where they stand with abortion. So again, the principle back then, back in the time of Egypt, of Pharaoh, was they, they thought, well, these people, there's too many of them, and we won't be able to control them. So we have to rule over them with tyranny and oppress them, and we need to decrease their numbers. And we see that same principle playing out today. Uh, there's too many of, the, of these, quote, Christians, too many of these conservatives, so we need to oppress them and silence them and censor them and shut them up, and we also need to get rid of the numbers. There's too many of them. So on the one hand, we uh, there was a recent report uh, where Mike Adams interviewed someone by the name of Ed Dowd, and Ed Dowd is a numbers guy. And he did some calculations and figured out that about 2,500 people every single day in the United States of America is dying from the COVID shot. And another 5,000 people every single day is uh, adversely affected and, and rendered disabled so that they can no longer work. So that comes out to 7,500 people per day. 
that are taken out of the workforce in the U.S. And this is just the U.S. This is not looking at all the other nations that are affected. So that's 7,500 people every single day. And he's pulling his data and his statistics from life insurance companies who are reporting on the number of people who are dying, people in the prime of life from the age of like 18 to 45, who are the millennials, the people who are in the workforce. 7,500 total. 2,500 who die and 5,000 who are severely disabled and, and can no longer work. So 7,500 people, Americans, are removed from the labor pool every day. When you multiply that times 365 days in, you, in a year, you get 2.7 million people who are taken out of the labor pool in the United States. Have you wondered why there's such a labor shortage when you go to McDonald's or you go to Safeway or you go shopping and everywhere you go, they're hiring and they're understaffed and there's a labor shortage? Why is that? It's because of this. 7,500 people every day, either they either die, 2,500 of them die, and 5,000 become severely disabled. It is a major impact on the labor pool in the United States. This you can find on pandemicnews.com. So that's where that news story came from, pandemicnews.com. Coming back to the scriptures, we see Back then, Pharaoh was trying to depopulate the Hebrews by telling the, uh, the midwives to kill the baby boys. And we see a depopulation effort going on through this bioweapon COVID shot. It is not a vaccine. It's a bioweapon. And it undermines and destroys a person's immune system. And it can cause huge clots. It can cause myocarditis. It causes all kinds of problems. So. We see similar trends that were going on back then and what are going on today. So what do we do? Don't take the shot if you've already taken it. Don't take any boosters. And walk close to the Lord. Walk in faith. Don't walk in fear. So now I want to jump into Matthew. And we're going to look at Matthew 6 and 7, continuing on with the Sermon on the Mount. And we see some very important kingdom principles here. Yeshua says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So it's a kingdom principle. Now, this is hard. This is not easy. Because we're all being stretched. Everything is more expensive. Food is more expensive. Every time I go to the grocery store, which is about once a week, the prices are up. And the gas prices are high. And, and the inflation is really taking a big bite out of people's budgets. And so it's very difficult to make the ends meet right now. But we need to focus. Put our, if we make Yeshua and his kingdom first and foremost in our life, then he's promising here that if we do that, that he will take care of all of our basic needs. In other words, what he's saying is, look at all the birds of the air. They don't labor and spin and toil, and yet the Heavenly Father takes care of them. And 
um, you know, look at the lilies of the field. Uh, they're beautifully clothed with all these beautiful flowers. And so when you seek the kingdom first, then all of these other things will be added for you. Your father knows that you have need of those basic things to be able to pay the house payment, the rent, to be able to put gas in your tank, to be able to put food on the table. The father knows that you have those needs. Put him first and he will make sure that you're covered. This is hard to walk in, but it takes practice and it takes training. And I can testify myself of the Father's provision over the years. And I've been a single gal for many, many years. I've not had two incomes to run the the budget. It's only been one income. So anytime you're single and you don't have two incomes, it's very challenging. Even before the pandemic hit, it was challenging. So I've seen the Father be very, very faithful in his provision to me over the years. Now, I want to get to the last part of this verse in chapter 7. And it says in chapter 7, Enter in, let's look at verse 13 and 14, Enter in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be who go there. And straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads to life, and few there be that find it. Now, if you've ever been to a large event, like perhaps at a mall, a large gathering, like maybe you gathered to go see the 4th of July fireworks, and there's lots and lots and lots of people, and the show is over now, all the fireworks are all done, you go back to the parking lot, and it's going to take forever to get out of that parking lot because there's so many cars. Or maybe you went to a parking garage that has six or seven levels, maybe at the airport or, you know, a parking garage in the big city. And the event that you went to is over now and everybody's in their car and they're all getting in line to get out of the parking garage. It takes forever to get out. But wide is the way of the path of destruction. It's a wide road. Lots and lots of people find their way along that road. But what Yeshua is saying here is that narrow, straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life. Now, this way, the word narrow, I want to unpack that for you. That word narrow in the Greek is thlebo. T-H-L-I-B-O, flebo. And what that word narrow in the Greek means is to press as you would press grapes. And you press hard upon a compressed way. It's a narrow, straightened way. In other words, it's a, pl- a, a place of where you're troubled, where you're afflicted, and where there is distress. You could see it like we are the grapes and the Father is pressing the grapes. Why? To get the grape juice out. He presses hard upon us. Or you could think about it like you're the baby going through the birth canal. And the birth canal is a very tight place. As the baby comes down that birth canal, it's a very constricted, compressed place until you come forth and come out into a wide open place. So our life in our faith walk is going to be a narrow 
walk. And it's a narrow journey. We're going to know afflictions. We're going to know what it is to be pressed, to go through difficulties, to be pressed upon. And that's just the norm. Wide is the road to destruction. Many find it. That way is, it appears to be the easy way. But the narrow way, the straight way, is going to be a, t- a place where you're pressed, compressed, like grapes that are going through the press. And that's just normal. That's just how it is, because God has his purposes and allowing us to go through those, those times of pressing because he wants to refine us. He wants us to look to him, depend on him, trust in him. He wants to get rid of the flesh and have us walk in the spirit. Okay, that's all I have for today. Have a blessed day and we will see you tomorrow. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Adonai Vish Mareka Yaya Adonai Anavilaka Vikuneka Yisa Adonai Anav Eleka Vayaseh Leka Leka Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>